You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. You're listening to episode 131 of the Well Women podcast. This is the episode about period pain. We've never chatted about this on the podcast and had a dedicated episode to this, and it was about time, don't you think? (laughs) So this episode is all about how to end period pain with Dr. Saru Bala. Now, we connected on Instagram, and if you want to check her out whilst we're talking throughout this episode, you'll find her at Dr. Saru Bala on Instagram at dr. S-A-R-U-B-A-L-A. Of course, you can find all of those links in the show notes to this episode at wellsome.com forward slash podcast as well. But Dr. Bala is a licensed naturopathic doctor practicing in Arizona, America. Now, she specializes specifically in women's health and particularly in the integrative hormonal regulation. Doesn't that sound fantastic? She likes working with women on anything from period pain to thyroid disorders to gut issues. Her number one goal is that every woman knows and understands their body well enough to know when something is going wrong and has the right education about their body that they know how to address these pieces if something feels off. Now, have you ever experienced period pain? Because that's definitely something that feels off for you in your menstrual cycle. But did you know that maybe period pain isn't normal? It could just be common. In this episode with Dr. Saru Bala, we chat all about period pain and what it is and if period pain is actually normal. Now, I want you to think about all of your girlfriends around you. Do they experience period pain or are you someone who experiences period pain? Many of us menstruators do experience period pain, but we have no idea why. We don't know where it comes from and what leads to causing period pain. So in this episode, we talk about exactly that, where period pain comes from, the two main types of period pain and what leads to those things, how we can end period pain altogether, stress's impact on the menstrual cycle, how we can manage period pain if we're experiencing it in the moment of menstruation. She also gives us her beautiful period pain remedies and three must-dos to implement to prevent period pain from occurring in the future. This is a beautiful episode with Dr. Saru Bala, and I can't wait for you to wrap your ears around it. But more importantly, I can't wait for you to get the knowledge on how to prepare your body to avoid and end period pain for good. This episode is brought to you by my Vedic Woman's Masterclass. Do you like Ayurveda? Interested in the Ayurvedic way and how to live as an Ayurvedic woman or bring in ancestral traditions? This masterclass was designed to bliss your heart out, activate your body, and awaken ancestral traditions. Throughout this two-hour live masterclass, you'll learn the fundamentals of Ayurveda through doshas, Ayurvedic elements, and the qualities to bring your body back into harmony. These teachings also weave in women's health awareness through hormones, menstrual cycle, emotions, and Ayurvedic psychology. Download the PDF worksheets that go with this masterclass and work through them with me as I guide you through the daily Ayurvedic rhythm and how you can apply this in the modern Western world, how to balance imbalances in your doshas, the Ayurvedic food elements that support women's health, and how you can connect with the fundamentals of each of your doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha. To learn more about this masterclass, head to Wellsome dot com forward slash shop that's w-e-l-l-s-o-m-e dot com forward slash shop and use the code cycle love to save 20% off dr saru welcome to the podcast hi thanks for having me thank you for joining us all the way from phoenix arizona absolutely um, to talk about period pain <laughs> of all the things we can talk across the, the big broad ocean about. Um, now, before we jump into it, tell us what day of your cycle are you on and how are you checking in today? Um, I have no idea what day of my cycle I am on, but uh, because I am pregnant. So <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. I am 29 weeks pregnant though. So that is where I'm at in my cycle. <laughs> So, no, I love, I love that. And so tell us, how are you feeling in your pregnancy? Is this your first pregnancy? This is my first pregnancy. It has gone very smoothly. I honestly cannot complain. Very, very, very minimal symptoms. Um, other than, you know, the usual pregnancy stuff, like my feet are fat and it's 120 degrees here. So I <laughs> feel awful. <laughs> 
but other than that, I really, I really can't complain. It's not, it hasn't, I've, I've had a lot of other friends and family that are also pregnant right now at the same time. And they just have so many symptoms. They had horrible nausea and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so grateful that mine has been very smooth. So I am grateful with, with how it's gone so far. Amazing. And so when are you due? I am due September 16th. Amazing. So this podcast episode is most likely going to come out around that kind of time frame. Because um, whilst we're recording this, we're actually in the middle of a podcast break. First podcast break the podcast has ever had, mind you, in oh, two wow. years. Wow. Um, and it's only a four, five, six week break anyway. But mm-hmm. we will be, that's going to be great timing. Now, yeah. it's interesting though, because this topic that we're going to talk about today is period pain. And I know it's something that you love talking about. Stop Thank normalizing you. period pain, right? Yes. Yes. Now, you're obviously not experiencing menstruation right now because you're growing a, a whole new organ, a placenta out of nowhere, yeah. and then building a baby, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I have two uteruses right now because it's a girl, so I have another uterus inside of me. Um, literally, how, how everybody just stop for a moment and think about I know. holy moly like I, I teach in cyclical which is the menstrual cycle coaching certification course that mm-hmm. I run that your body as a woman has all these organs and then it decides to grow an organ itself and then it lets the organ go mm-hmm. when you give birth the placenta yeah. and then it still lives even though it builds this organ and then gets rid of the organ so- I know it's so crazy my favorite thing to think about with pregnancy especially with like daughters and stuff is it it never stops amazing me and I love thinking about it is that the egg that this that my daughter was conceived with was grown inside of my mom. And I'm now making the eggs that she has. And so she has kids. I made her eggs. Like, it's just so mind blowing, you know, to think about like that whole generational thing. It gives me chills. I I love it. I know our bodies are so cool. I love it. We really are. And something before we jump into it, and I want, I want, I really want everyone to know who you are. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we just got right into everything. I always think it's I love listening and to the fact that every single person, regardless of how you identify or your gender, we all come from a womb. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for the womb and it wasn't for menstruation and ovulation and fertility, mm-hmm. we no one would exist. And so I just true. want everyone to like, just give so thanks. True. You know, if you've got a male in your life, regardless of your relationship with them, like just remind them that like, Hey, you too came, came from a womb. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a great point. I love that. Mm. Now tell us, everyone's listening going, who's this chick you're lifting with already? <laughs> who is Dr. Saru Bala? Tell us, who are you? What is it that you do? Yeah. So I am a licensed naturopathic doctor and I specialize in women's health, particularly in hormonal regulation, um, through integrative methods. So I don't use, um, a ton of pharmaceuticals in my practice. I don't really use hormone replacement therapy. I really am kind of on the basis of, I want you to understand your body, what's going on. And if you have hormonal complaints or you have hormonal issues, they're stemming from somewhere. They're coming for a reason. There's something that's going off in your body. And I like to educate you on where that's stemming from. Where did that start? What else is going on with your health and how can we address those things um, through integrative treatments or naturally or um, whatever works best with you. And so that's, that's kind of what I do. I work with a lot of women on fertility. I work with postpartum women. I work with women who have painful periods, heavy periods, PCOS, thyroid issues, um, all of those, the range of hormonal issues. So anything kind of chronic that you've had, um, if you've been dismissed by your doctor saying that everything's normal, your labs look fine and you know not that it's not, those are usually the women that come to me or um, your only option was birth control. And you're like, well, I know that that isn't my only option, or I would like to explore my other options. Then that's also um, where I come in as well. Amazing. I love that. that oh, We need more people in the world like you really. Now, how did you get into this? Like, why did you decide that you wanted to become a naturopathic doctor? Because I feel everybody has their own journey, um, especially really? niching into women's health and working specifically with, you know, hormonal challenges. 
what kind of got you personally interested in this? Yeah. So I, I think from a very young age, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. So that was kind of always the trajectory and the path that I was going in. I've been involved in some kind of like health sciences thing all the way through school. Um, like when I was in high school and everything. And then, um, when I was young, I was diagnosed with IBD. And at that time they put me on a ton of medications. I was only like 13, 14 at the time. And I was so young and, you know, I just started puberty and it took away my periods. I was feeling awful. I couldn't eat anything. I just did not feel like myself. And I was like, I can't do these medications. And so my mom, um, was the one who kind of did more of the natural treatments and, and looking at herbs, talking about gut health, kind of how to fix that IBD. And, um, that was such a turning point for me. I was like, wow, like I'm able to manage and like keep all these symptoms at bay with no medications. And I haven't had any issues since then, which has been really nice. Um, and then when I was in college, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And at that point, um, we, she didn't want to do the conventional treatments. She didn't want to do chemo. And so she went to India and did some treatments there and came back and she was in remission for a really, really long time. And so that, and watching her go through all that, going through the healthcare system, being told that she had no other options and then having other options and just seeing, um, when she did go to a naturopathic doctor, the hope that they were instilling in her, I was like, you know, even, even if things don't work out, the fact that they were able to offer her even just a little bit of hope was, was something that she really, really resonated with. And I was like, ah, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be the person giving the bad news. I want to be the person that can instill hope and say, no, here are other options. These aren't your only things that you have to consider. And so I think that was kind of the turning point. I started shadowing a lot more NDs at that point in college. And then, um, and then just kind of the rest is history, you know, I went to and you school and here I am. Yeah. And I think I got into women's health in particular, just because I know myself, um, having had those issues, feeling like there are no options for any woman. Like what options do you have? If you have period pain, you, you can go on birth control. That's really the only option you're ever presented. And I know, and just from my training, there's so many things that we can do. And there's so many reasons for period pain. And I just want people to be educated about their body. My main goal is really just to educate as many women as I can about what's going on in their body. And so I felt very passionate that I needed to, to get that message out. Hear ye, sister, hear ye. I am like all in that like cheering chain with you. Totally. Um, I love everything you mentioned about, especially around the journey and like you personally having the journey and experiencing your mother, having, having her personal journey there too. It's interesting. There's no reason, one reason why we get into what it is that we do. It's always mm-hmm. like a ripple effect of different things that kind of leads us to this and making that difference. Like I'm just as driven as you are like educating women about the menstrual cycle. Cause I feel like it's one of the most uneducated things from mm-hmm. teen and tween age right through. But one of the things that so many menstruators really have challenges with is period pain. Yeah. So let's like dive into this topic of period pain. We've never talked about it on the podcast before or had a specific episode about period pain and so this is why I wanted to have you on the show so we can dive into it because I know that this is like your go-to thing to chat about it is it is so let's kick it off for everybody listening what is period pain yeah so there's a couple of different types of period pain so um dysmenorrhea is kind of the medical term for period pain and there's a primary and a secondary cause or primary and secondary dysmenorrhea. Um, primary is due to a hypersecretion of prostaglandins. And prostaglandins are a chemical in your body, which is like a hormone-like substance that is responsible for contracting your uterus muscle um, and expelling that lining because that's what your period is, is, is that contraction happening so that you can kind of shed that lining. And so prostaglandins are necessary. We need them. It's not a bad thing inherently. It's when we get too much of them that we start to see issues with pain. And so that's kind of what they've termed as hyper or sorry, as dysmenorrhea, primary dysmenorrhea. It's not coming from another cause. Secondary dysmenorrhea could be coming from something else that's causing the pain, whether that's a fibroid, a cyst, endometriosis, adenomyosis, medications, infections, cancer, whatever. There's something else that if that obstacle was removed, you shouldn't have period pain anymore. And so Mm. that would be called secondary um, dysmenorrhea. So those are kind of the two types of um, 
of period pain that we see. And primarily, most people probably have primary dysmenorrhea, which is um, they just have a lot of prostaglandins and they there is a lot that we can do to lower those prostaglandins so that you're not feeling so uncomfortable and in pain. And whenever I think of prostaglandins, I always think of like, it's the thing that makes you shit more when you're pooing. Like when yeah, you're, when exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> it, yeah, because it's acting on smooth muscles, your uterus isn't the only smooth muscle. And so it also is acting on your gut. And so you're also getting, if you have more prostaglandins, you might have more um, diarrhea during your periods. And so mm-hmm. that is totally a thing. It's the, it's the cause of period poop as well. it's totally a thing Mm -hmm. okay this is really good because I feel there's a lot of stigma around period pain and then Mm -hmm. there's also a lot of misconception that everybody must experience period pain and if you don't oh you're the blessed child you know in in your religion or you're the blessed child in your community or your sisterhood that you know you're so fortunate to not have any period pain is period pain normal I would not say it's normal. I would say it's common. Um, I would say uh, nine out of 10 women have period pain. Like, who do you know that has never experienced pain when they have a period? I don't feel like I know many people that have ever had a hundred percent of their periods be pain-free. So I would say it's very common. And I also think it's more common now, given our environment and our society and the way our lifestyles are, Mm -hmm. um, than it was maybe 50, hundred years ago. And so I would say it is not normal, but it is very common. Oh, I'm right there with you on that one. <laughs> now, there's most likely some some people who are listening to this who are on hormonal contraception, and they might they may still have what they perceive as a period bleed. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about period pain between a normal cycle, because so far what you've described is a normal cycle, so a cycle that doesn't have hormonal contraception or hormone synthetic hormonal influence, right? Mm-hmm. But what is the difference between someone who's on hormonal or synthetic hormones? as a form of contraception and they get period pain versus those who have a natural cycle, no hormonal contraception, and they also get period pain. Is it the same thing? It can be sometimes. I mean, that, that level of inflammation is a level of inflammation. So sometimes people go on birth control and they just don't have any of the, um, hormones anymore. And that may be effective in not giving them pain. But for a lot of people, if those prostaglandin levels are really high, that can still cause pain. And so at that point, we're also looking at other factors. Generally, if there's inflammation in other places, like in your gut or um, coming from somewhere else, that can still cause um, the pain when you're on birth control. I don't see that happen very often. Um, for the most part, birth control does kind of cover that up, but it does happen every now and then. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And that's really good to kind of distinguish between the two, because I feel in my practice, I've seen a lot of assumptions that, what, when you're on hormonal contraception, your experience with your cycle is the same as when you come off hormonal contraception, apart mm-hmm. from the fact of ovulation and mm-hmm. the, the chances of getting you know, pregnant. But you're saying um, that we can still produce prostaglandins whilst we're on the hormonal contraception, which helps us bleed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. That's really important to know. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. So now that we know why we get period pain, we know how it kind of comes about. Um, and you mentioned that it's not super normal, but it's really common. What mm-hmm. can we do if we do have period pain? Because I feel that, like you said, so many women and menstruators experience this. What can we do? What are the options? Yeah, there's a ton of options. I always like to start with why, why are you having the pain? Where is the pain coming from? Um, so if it is, you know, that excess prostaglandins, where is that coming from for you? Inflammation is such a vague general term, and it can be from so many different sources. Um, Poor sleep and poor circadian rhythm that can cause inflammation with your cortisol levels being off that causes inflammation. Um, uh, Stress, stress is a huge factor for inflammatory markers. Um, what else diet, gut health, that's another huge factor. 80% of your immune system is in your gut and, you know, inflammation is coming from your immune system. So that is another huge factor. Um, another one can be obesity as well. Fat is another one that can produce a lot of, um, IL six and inflammatory markers too. And it can also produce a lot more estrogen and estrogen can also be one of those, um, factors for period pain as well. So there are, uh, there's, there's several different, um, 
uh, factors that or reasons that you might be having period pain or that might be causing those prostaglandin formation. And so really figuring out is yours stress? Is it sleep? Is it gut health? Is it a combination of all of these? What's going on? So good. It just goes to show that when you are experiencing period pain, it's not just designed to be like this, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you mentioned some really big factors that kind of contribute to period pain. And let's just talk about stress, sleep, and diet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's just say someone's got poor sleep. Is it the sleep that they have whilst they're bleeding that causes the period pain? Or is it sleep at other times of the cycle that causes the period pain? Or is it an accumulation of months or cycles and cycles totally. of poor sleep? I think sleep and stress definitely go hand in hand. Um, it would definitely be like not just one or two nights of poor sleep that can cause it. It's going to be chronic sleep debt, chronic sleep deprivation. That's going to be causing issues with your circadian rhythm. And most people will know if they sleep well or not, you know, you're waking up in the morning. How do you feel? Do you feel really tired? Do you, do you hit the snooze button a hundred times? Are you having a hard time waking up and getting out of bed when you're, when your alarm goes off or when you have to wake up? And then at that point, it's like, okay, well, your sleep is probably not as restorative as it needs to be. And it's not doing what it needs to be doing as far as keeping that inflammation down and and doing all that restorative metabolic processes at night. And so that can be a source of inflammation for sure. Um, but it's usually more when, when it's a chronic issue. So, um, we do see, there are lots of studies that show that night shift workers have a lot more inflammatory levels than, um, than people who sleep, you know, on a regular daytime, nighttime schedule. I, I feel like anyone that I've ever met with uh, some kind of shift work, whether they're a flight attendant mm-hmm. or they work in as a nurse mm-hmm. or whether they work in hospitality 24 seven, mm-hmm. there's always a connection with, they have challenges with their cycle. Absolutely. Totally. Always. That too. Yep. Absolutely. A lot of my patients have um, either currently or in the past have been shift workers and, and yeah, mm. it definitely affected their cycle. Let's, deviate a little off the topic and talk about shift work. Cause I feel that everyone knows someone who does shift work. Mm-hmm. If you had a client who was a shift worker, who was showing signs of period pain when they were menstruating, what are three things you'd recommend to those people who are shift workers? Oh my God. The biggest thing I recommend is to find a day shift <laughs> that it's, it's hard. It's really hard to work with, with night shift because you're also a functioning member of society and likely the people around you are on a regular schedule and you want to be a part of their lives too. And so, um, when you're not working, you try and flip back and forth and that flipping back and forth is going to be the biggest thing that throws your body off. If you're doing shift work, staying in that shift work cycle is going to be much better for your body than flipping between, um, a day shift and night shift, day shift and night shift, you know, week to week. And so I would Mm. say the number one thing is just going to be, be consistent in your schedule. It's really hard to have a life at that point. So I understand why people would not do that, but that, you know, for your body, if you are really looking at what, what can I do, that's going to be the biggest thing is just being consistent with when you're going to bed and when you're waking up, whether you're going to bed at 8 AM or PM, either one, you know, you want to be consistent about your bedtime and wake times. So important. I'm so glad that you shared that. So Rue, it's, it just goes to show that even if you're not a shift worker, being consistent with your cycles, your sleep cycle is really important too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not, we're not, we won't dive into it, but sleep and stress affects ovulation more than sometimes anything else in the world. Oh, and totally. being a natural fertility educator, I see so many women who have delayed ovulations and they don't even realize they have delayed ovulations. And then they're mm-hmm. complaining about long cycles and then painful periods. And I'm like, it's a cascade of events. You know, nothing ever yeah. just happens because of one, one reason. So thank you so much for sharing about that. All right. So now we know why and where kind of period pain can come from. What options do we have? Yeah. So what what can we do about it? So depending on what your factors are. So with sleep, I always, always, always with all of my patients talk about a bedtime routine. It's really, really important that your body winds down. And I think for most people getting into a good circadian rhythm doesn't always happen. And, um, for that's why a lot of people, you know, they feel wired at night and then they wake up in the morning and they're like, I'm so tired when it should be the opposite. We should be waking up with that cortisol awakening response, really kind of jumping us out of bed and making us feel a little bit energetic. And then at night we should be 
winding down, calming down, feeling tired before bed and able to fall asleep easily. And that's not what happens for most people. And so a bedtime routine is going to be the number one thing that is um, really important. I think a lot of people are like, oh, my morning routine, my morning routine, but nobody ever talks about their bedtime routine. And that's going to be even more important than your morning routine. Mm -hmm. Um, If your nervous system is going, you know, fight or flight all day long from being stressed at work, you know, taking care of your family, your kids, your spouse, your partner, whatever, that you're doing all day long. And then you're not stopping at the end of the night to tell it, Hey, everything's okay. We're calm. We're safe before you go to sleep. Like, how are you going to go from a hundred to zero and expect to be having restful sleep? It's, it's hard. Your body has a hard time switching on and off. And so taking 30 to 60 minutes before you go to bed to really prepare and wind down your body and your mind is so helpful. I don't have any patients who follow a bedtime routine who are like, that didn't help anything. Nothing changed. That never happened. So, so that bedtime routine is really important. I usually say an hour before bed, turn off all the lights in your house, get it as dark as possible. Use candle lights if you can. Um, cause that's going to be really important for secreting melatonin when it's dark. The absence of light is what triggers your Um, brain to stop secreting cortisol and start secreting melatonin. And so we really want to make sure that that, that is happening. That response is happening. If you have all the lights in your house and you're being really stimulated, your body's going to be like, Oh, we got to stay awake. And it's going to keep secreting cortisol. So you really want it to be as dim as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. so that you are, are setting yourself up for that good melatonin production. So that's, that's a really big piece. Even if you are watching TV or you're on your screens at that during that time, as long as it's super dark in the house, that's still going to be really helpful for getting a little bit more wound down. And then I always like to say at least 30 minutes before bed, at least no screens. That's really a huge factor for stimulation. And you're, even if you feel like it's relaxing to just sit in front of a TV, your mind is still really active having to focus on the TV show. And so Um, even if it's something that, you know, you've seen a million times, your brain is still focused on that. And sometimes just giving your brain a break from the stimulation is what you need so that it can wind down and not have to focus on something. So something a little more relaxing and a little bit more less stimulating, like reading or, um, yoga or stretching, or just talking to your roommate or partner, whoever, and just, having a or friend tea or friend. Yeah. Or just, you know, just doing something relaxing that isn't super overstimulating right before you go to bed. I love that. A lot of people do really feel that, oh, well, you know, I turn the lights off and so then that's okay. But your mind is constantly working 24 mm-hmm. seven. Exactly. You know, even when you're asleep, it's still working. Yeah. So, you know, allowing your time to have brainless time. Mm-hmm. Like I call it brainless time. Where yeah, you just- I agree. And I think for a lot of people, brainless time means scrolling social media when that is actually very brain on time and not brain off totally. <laughs> and triggering too. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, even though this is a podcast and I run a podcast and I record pod- podcast episodes, <laughs> I really do my best to not listen to podcasts to fill oh, the void yeah. of the day yeah. because, you know, I noticed this with my partner, love him to death, but he really enjoys, you know, listening to shows and radio shows that are recorded and put into podcast episodes and listening to music. But sometimes I just want silence mm-hmm. so that my brain doesn't have to think about things or be stimulated. I like Absolutely. to just have nothing. Yeah. And that is really weird to some people. Mm-hmm. You know, I will like to drive in the car with no sound. Oh, and me people, too. Yeah. It's just so refreshing. It it's is. Just like space. It is. It is. I think. <laughs> I think a lot of people are just so used to having constant distractions that they don't know how to be alone with their thoughts. And that can be yeah. hard. It is really hard, you know, and I think, you know, addressing mental health is very important, but I think, you know, having those times where your brain is just not stimulated by music or a podcast or a show or screens or whatever. Totally. And I think most people who are listening to this would have no connection with the fact that having a bedtime routine and disconnecting from alertness mm-hmm. actually can help with your period pain. Right. Like, I know it seems like, so... what? Nah, that, that's not possible. Totally. Totally. Yeah. But it absolutely is. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. small things that add up for, for the bigger things. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by the Well Women Academy. The Well Women Academy is my signature group coaching program. It's a weekly membership together where we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. 
Every month, our Well Women Access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Join me and women from all over the world as together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and everything to do with your yoni. This is your chance to join an international community of supportive women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's a cyclical sisterhood like no other, not to mention it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. To learn more and to join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash academy. All right. So that's number one. Um, when it comes to what we can do about period pain, mm-hmm. this is kind of preventing really, and it's like preventing the fact that we might potentially have period pain or what we can do to stop it in the future. So one is sleep. What else is important? What else is important? Gut health. That's a huge, huge, huge one. Um, mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, 80% of your immune system is, is in your gut and you really want to make sure that you are addressing any gut issues. So if you have constipation, you have looser stools, you have gas, you have bloating, you have nausea, you have indigestion, you have um, acid reflux, any of those symptoms at all is an indication that there's something going on with your gut. Um, acne is also another one. Uh, skin issues in general, rashes, hives, psoriasis, eczema, all of that can be an indication that something's going off with your gut. Um, autoimmune disorders. So there's a lot of different ways that gut issues can show up on, in your body. Um, there's so much more research coming out now uh, talking about the influence of your gut microbiome on your overall health, especially for chronic illnesses and disease. And I think, um, I think the world is finally starting to see all the nuance that is what we eat in our gut. And so that's a huge place I start with, with a lot of patients. And the biggest thing I see there is dairy. Nobody ever wants to hear that one. And I I get scared when I even say it out loud, but I just, I I only say it because I've seen it work so many times, time and time Mm. again people cut out dairy and they're like, Oh my God, my gut health has improved. My mood has improved. My PMS symptoms went away. I don't have issues with sleep anymore. I don't bloat. I don't have constipation. My period pain is better. Like it's not just one thing that gets better. It's so many things that get better. And there's so many ancestral lineages around how important the gut was and how the gut was the beginning of all health really. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're Indian and have Indian heritage because in Ayurveda, they're so focused on gut health and digestion. Mm -hmm. And then Chinese medicine, which is also Eastern, which is very beautiful too, is very focused on the liver. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like they're the two... Um, in Australia, we used to have a, t- um, a TV show when I was a kid called Bananas in Pajamas. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that show. <laughs> right. And I used, so I kind of refer to the gut and the liver like B1 and B2, you know, mm-hmm. like they're like bananas in pajamas. They're best friends. And when they work together, everything flows really smoothly. Yeah. And when they're not working together, they're constantly bumping into each other and falling over. And it is like totally, you know, totally. imbalance. And so absolutely. They work so importantly together. And so I'm so thrilled that you mentioned that around period pain because there's a lot of disconnection when people think of period pain, they just focus on the period and Mm -hmm. the reason why they're bleeding Mm -hmm. as opposed to lifestyle factors that can impact. And that's what I'm really hearing you share is that all these lifestyle factors impact your menstrual experience Mm -hmm. when you're menstruating. So that's great. What would be your third one? So you've got sleep, gut health. And if there was a third thing people can work on um, improving the balance of, what would that be? Uh, stress. That would be the biggest thing that I see, because if your body thinks you're too stressed out to ovulate, um, you're going to have irregular periods. One, I know we're talking about pain, but that's a huge one that I see as well. And it's going to affect your levels of prostaglandins, your level of inflammation in your gut. Um, stress also affects your gut health. So those two kind of go hand in hand. Stress can really throw off the microbiome and create a lot of dysbiosis and it can, it's kind of like chicken or the egg, which one came first, usually probably the stress started first and that affected your gut. And then your gut being off can cause more stress. And then it's just this awful cycle back and forth. And so doing things that fill your cup is really important. So that's especially why I like to say, try not to have screen time because you will find things that you enjoy doing that you maybe put off or just never did because you were busy filling your time with a screen. Um, so, so finding things in your day that help 
feel, help you feel lost in a good way where for me, that would be like cooking or art painting. I really like creative. Yeah. The flow. Exactly. Yeah. Finding your flow is really important because, um, that's kind of when you feel the most relaxed and, and, and kind of in your zone. And that's important because I don't think a lot of us get that escape ever. We're always like, okay, what's the next on my to-do list, you know, and you just are constantly doing things that you don't want to necessarily be doing, but you have to. And so even if 10, 20, 30 minutes a day, you're stopping to do something that you enjoy doing, that's going to be recharging for you. Mm, So beautiful. I completely agree. And I'd love to talk about stress in the aspect of what types of stress do you see impact menstruators today? Because there's so many different types of stress, but what are the biggest ones that you see? I can't even put a label on it. I think your body sees stress as stress. So unfortunately our, our brains are still kind of primitive in that, you know, a deadline at work is the same as being chased by a bear. So our brain can't differentiate between the two. It, it thinks we're in danger when we feel stress and those hormones, those same hormones get released. If there was a bear chasing us as if, you know, our boss says, Hey, I need to talk to you. You're technically safe. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not, um, in danger of anything. You're not, um, you know, you have a safe roof over your head. You have food every day. You have money in the bank, you know, assuming you have all these things and your body is still reacting in the same way as if you're getting chased by a bear. And so stress is stress is stress is what I like to tell my patients. And so finding ways to regulate your nervous system, get you back into that calmer breathing, um, Mm -hmm. relaxing your muscles, making you feel like you're safe, letting your brain know that you're safe. That's important. So important. And I love that you mentioned that because stress is really stress. And so if you're listening to this and you experience any challenge with your menstrual cycle, I'd strongly encourage you to take two minutes out of your day to just go, okay, what in my life is stressing me right now? And just explore that because it can be finances, relationships, communication, conversations. It can be partners, relationships. It can be environmental stress and environmental toxins. It can be COVID pandemic stress. There's so many things um, that even if like a little final note on stress is even if you don't personally feel stressed, if you're living in a world that is stressed or an environment that is stressed, or you work in an environment that is stressed and you don't feel stressed, but the environment's stressed, your body's responding still Absolutely. in support against stress. Yeah. I think if you're living on earth in 2020 and 2021, or if you have right now, here, you are stressed because it's just impossible not to have felt all the, the stress of the world in this past year, year and a half. So there's, there's been a lot going on. And to, to say that that hasn't affected you on a health level, on a mental health level, it's impossible. It's affected all of us to some degree. It really has global consciousness around stress is real people. Yeah, it's real. Absolutely. Okay, I'm loving this conversation. Mm-hmm. Sorry, absolutely. So tell us, I only the other day got a message from a good friend of mine who's actually my neighbor and she messaged and she's like, oh my God, I have the worst period pain I've ever experienced. What can I do? And I find this hilarious that people assume that once they feel something, they can do something straight away for for it. Like it's an acute thing or an emergency thing. Like Mm -hmm. I broke my leg. What can I do right now for my broken leg? Mm -hmm. Or I have a cold. What can I do right now for my cold? Or Mm -hmm. I'm bloated. What can I do for my bloating right now? When in fact, it's what you can do beforehand that really is the thing that's going to support it the most. But even though we've already discussed all of this, there are still going to be people who experience like, holy shit, i got period pain right now in this moment. What can we do to support ourselves and help manage period pain when we have the period pain? Yeah. Um, there are a few different things that we can try. Um, I haven't found them to be a hundred percent effective right on the spot. It's one of those things that are kind of like a chronic, you know, at least a month or like the cycle before you start taking care of things. And then the next cycle you'll notice, um, uh, improvement, but I would say, um, there the castor oil packs are so underrated. I really love doing castor oil packs. Um, that is basically just rubbing some castor oil on your pelvis, adding a hot water bottle over it and just letting that sit, letting it kind of marinate on your skin into your, into your organs. That can be really helpful. Um, castor oil is really anti-inflammatory and then adding that extra circulation with the heat can bring a lot more blood flow and kind of help, 
help things clear out. And so that's helpful for some people. Um, uh, what else? Cramp bark is an herb that is really helpful for some people as well. You can take that before you're, um, like as you start bleeding and that may be effective. Generally, I like to say, take it a week before, but, um, if, if you haven't been planning and haven't been working with somebody who told you to take it a week before, then, then you can still take it at the time. It does help to some degree. Um, another one is raspberry leaf tea. That's one of my favorite herbs. I really, really love that herb for so many different things. It's great for pregnancy. It's great for labor. It's great for period pain, heavy bleeding, um, cysts. It, it's got a lot of different, um, benefits. And so I really love raspberry leaf tea. Generally that one you would again, take before your period. It doesn't have as much effect if you're going to take it right the day of, um, but, but that's another herb that I really, really like magnesium mm. too. Magnesium can be really effective for some people. I would say, um, because of period poops, make sure that you take a magnesium that's better absorbed and not one that's going to give you diarrhea. So magnesium glycinate or magnesium malate would probably be the two forms that I would suggest for, um, for helping with period pain. Cause it can help relax your smooth muscles. Mm, so important. I also find magnesium that's chelated with vitamin d um mm. helpful with the absorption of the of the magnesium too you know using that fat soluble vitamin vitamin d which is helpful but i'm very much the same with magnesium i 100 recommend doing that beforehand mm-hmm. uh, before your bleed in autumn in your luteal phase i'm yeah. like let's up that dose of magnesium mm-hmm. absolutely i now, would say all the time we're all 50 percent of us are deficient in magnesium so it's not a bad idea insane. to be taking magnesium right it's so insane mm-hmm. i i I don't experience period pain. I've never really had, um, you know, bad period pain. The last seven months I've spent, you know, my body's re reestablishing itself after an unplanned pregnancy. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's been a little bit erratic because of that. And I have had some duller periods experiences, mm-hmm. but that's repatterning that I've noticed. Okay. But you mentioned about castor oil packs. Mm-hmm. When it comes to castor oil, I love, this is very Ayurvedic and I absolutely love it. They, they used to use castor oil packs for everything. I know, <laughs> they I, do. I love castor oil. I um, I would bathe my whole body in it. It's a bit sticky though. It is. And, it is. Um, I recommend using castor oil packs before you bleed because I've heard that if you use it whilst you're bleeding, it can bring on more bleeding. What is your intake? Like what's your out? look an overview of that. I actually use it for heavy bleeding. And I've had a lot of patients who have, um, who have gotten less bleeding when they have that. I actually have patients who didn't have heavy bleeding and they were like, Oh, my period actually got lighter when I did the castor oil pack. So I've actually seen the opposite thing happen. Okay, cool. that's, That's really good to know because that's just what I was guided from my Ayurvedic doctors, but that doesn't mean it's going to be true for everybody. Totally. I can absolutely see why, because you're bringing more circulation to the area. So I can see that that could happen. And for some people that may happen, I'm not saying that that is, you know, that's wrong, but I mm. think in my experience, what I've seen is that it actually helps to um, decrease the bleeding. alleviate. Yeah. Mm. That's really, that's really fascinating. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you've never used a castor oil pack before, um, it's so simple to do. I actually have a whole class on how to do it. And I guide you through in my pajamas when I do that inside the Well Women Academy. But just if you are going to use a castor oil pack, just be cautious of, you know, your body's going to react different, just the same as what your body might react different to taking a herb or taking a nutrient um, or even drinking alcohol or caffeine. Absolutely. So just be anything you do for your health. It's always really important to be um, cautious of, but they're really great things to help manage period pain. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add to that list? I'm sure there's a million things that I could add, but I think for now that seems to have covered most of the bases as far as, you know, immediate and then kind of longer term stuff. Mm, Fantastic. I will throw in like a non-nutritional kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If you're experiencing period pain, I always encourage the menstruators to explore what are they having challenges letting go of in their life? Mm. So emotionally, are you having challenge of ending a relationship? Are you having challenge of starting a new career and ending a job? Or, you know, what are you looking at letting go of that you really want to let go of that you're having trouble doing that? Maybe that's manifesting emotionally in your body. Mm -hmm. And then also look at the relationship that you have with your womb and your menstrual time. Do you hate it? Do you loathe it? Do you embrace it? And could you maybe switch up that relationship a little bit with your body? Because I... 
definitely see in the emotional work, especially through like applied kinesiology, there are so many connections with how we feel emotionally and then how it manifests in the body. Absolutely. Mm. And generally the people who hate their period or hate their bleeding time end up having the, the worst or very That's challenging such an periods. Interesting point. I never thought about that. I like that. I like that. Thinking about it, does that ring true for the like your clients? If they I don't know. It's I I don't quite ask how they feel about their period. So that's something that I may be asking people now. Cool. And kind of getting an idea of like, okay, well, where what's your what's your um relationship like? Yeah, what's your relationship with your period? Yeah, that's a great question. Mm, I it's one of the first questions that I lead with, um, especially in the intake form of it for a new client, is like, tell me about what your experiences with with bleeding. Did you hate getting it as a kid? Were you teased mm-hmm. about it? Um, was there taboo or shame about it in your family or your community growing up? Totally. And that can definitely impact the relationship uh, a woman has and with her body. And it's the same with ovulation. Like if you have shame around or fear around, you know, falling pregnant accidentally, then your body's going to be erratic with your ovulation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really fun things to explore. Totally just yeah. jumping off topic a little bit there. No, I like that. I like it. I've absolutely loved having this chat with you about period pain we're nearly out of time but I would love for you to just give three final tips to anyone who's listening to this who has experienced period pain in the past or is currently experiencing pain you've already given so many great little insights of what we can do to prevent and support but how would you sum that up in three things they can do today um I would say support elimination especially because with hormones and things you want to make sure everything is getting out so even if you're supporting your liver you need to make sure you're supporting elimination to get it out so Mm -hmm. gut health there making sure you're pooping and peeing regularly is, is really important. hell yes um so that would be a huge one um Another one would be kind of checking in on your stress levels and seeing what's going on there and how you can improve those. Find what I tell my patients is write down 30 things that you like to do. It doesn't have to be like huge things like, you know, going on vacation. It can be something as small as um, sipping a cup of tea with, I really like this. So I always use this example. I love um, my husband and I sometimes do a morning routine where we just sit on the balcony when it's not 120 degrees outside and sip some tea. And so that that's one of my favorite things to do. And that's a small thing that you can do that helps you feel relaxed. So write down, you know, 30 things like that. And every single day, pick one thing to do and just kind of rotate through the list, add as you want um, Mm -hmm. to kind of fill your cup and just have moments in your day that are, are slowed down a little bit. Um, and then lastly, magnesium, I would say magnesium is very underrated. Keeping a a good store of magnesium in your body is going to be that third thing. I know we kind of already talked about magnesium, but I think just to say it again, magnesium drum at home. Yeah. I think that's really, and they're all such easy things that you can do. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, drinking clean water, having a healthy diet, maybe taking a good quality probiotic, mm-hmm. taking a you know pharmaceutical graded multivitamin that has all the things in it, maybe you know taking magnesium. So simple. Dr. Suri, thank you so much for joining us for this yeah. episode. Yeah. I do have a final podcast question. Yeah. I ask everyone, but before we jump into it, thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. And tell us, how can our listeners find you? Now, I know you have an amazing Instagram account that's very educational, especially around this topic of period pain. So how can they find you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. Um, I have blogs that I update not as frequently as I probably should, but I do update those. And then I will also be coming out with a course next month on um, period pain and how to manage those. So we'll talk a lot more in detail about basically everything we talked about today and, and more techniques and tools and why all of it's important and what's going on in your body and gut health and liver health and all of that fun stuff. Absolutely amazing. Well, I'll be popping all of those links in the show notes for people to be able to connect with you online and on Instagram. Now, final podcast question. We're switching gears. I want you to think back to your younger menstruating self mm-hmm. when you got your first period going through menarche. What are three things you wish you had have known then, Saru, that you now know today about your menstrual cycle or your period? I didn't even know I was starting my period when I started my period. (laughs) I was in summer camp. I still remember like looking at my underwear and I was like, what is that? I thought my butt was bleeding. (laughs) 
it's like, I was like, did I fall? What happened? Like it's in my underwear. Like I was terrified. I had no idea what happened. And I was like, I was like, okay, I went home, I showered. And then you know how, like, after you shower right away, it, like you, it, you don't start bleeding immediately. And then like a little bit later, it comes back. And I was like, I was like, mom, it's happening. I don't know what's happening. And I showed her and she was like, so excited. And I was like, well, why are you excited about this? So just, you know, letting myself know what a period even was would have been great. Um, and so, so educating myself on like, this is what a period is. Oh, you're having a period. This is what that means. And, um, all of, all of the talk that goes around that, you know, my mom had it with me afterwards, but I, it would have been great to, to have had that conversation like months ago before it had started and like, just prepare me like, Hey, you're at that age your breast buds came in a couple of years ago, you may be starting to see your period sometime in the near future. So, um, I, I definitely think that that talk just doesn't happen until it actually happens. And you're just like, well, now it's here. Now what? So I would have loved to tell myself, Hey, this is amazing. That's a fantastic tip. What about number two and number three? Um, number two, number three, I would say learn your body. Um, I think, you know, when you're 13 years old, 12 years old, whenever you start your period, you're like ashamed that you're having this thing. I remember like hiding my pads or hiding my tampons when I would have to go and change them in the bathroom at school and just, um, being comfortable with like, this is a normal part of what you do as who you are and every, you know, 50% of the population is doing it. And so it's not something to be ashamed of and just kind of, um, more education and more awareness around my body and just knowing that it's okay and not a shameful mm. thing I think it's mm. absolutely and then a third thing um probably how to deal with the period pain because I did have a lot of period pain at that mm-hmm. time so if I could tell myself like hey these are things you should be working on that would have been great especially the dairy I ate so much dairy at that point I think that in and of <laughs> itself could have been a huge um, lifesaver for me. Oh, it really, I feel the same. I never had debilitating period pain, but I had cysts and I had PCOS and I was on the pill for 12 years. And mm-hmm. it definitely goes to show that the more connected you are with your body and the more you understand your cycle, the more you can change that. And, you know, having te- taught in schools, because I teach menstrual cycle education in schools, teaching girls from the age of really 10 upwards even though girls as young as seven men straight today, which blows my mind, mm-hmm. but it, just allowing them to kind of understand what it is before it comes mm-hmm. and doing so in a fun way is really important. So I love I that you shared those yeah. three tips because I'm right there with you, sister. I wish I had known all of those things too. Yeah. Oh, Saru, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I've absolutely loved talking about period pain. I know a lot of women really wish they didn't experience it and they hate that's a really strong word but they really hate that they have that experience of period pain so i hope that this episode has given them some insight and some guiding tips um, on what they can do and if you want to learn about period pain more go and see dr saru online by the time this episode comes out her course will be launched and live so please go and check her out if you want to learn more so saru thank you so much for joining us thank you thanks for having me Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle. 